You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2022 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Oh, it's great to be back in my home state of Michigan. I do remember those Grand Ledge Camp Meeting days. And I remember particularly uh, one Sabbath when HMS Richard Sr. was there to speak. And there was no preacher that seemed to speak from the throne like HMS Richard Sr., at least when I was growing up. <clears throat> and of course, the Grand Ledge Auditorium was larger than this. Some might know how many it held, but. Uh, Definitely, there were, you know, with the balconies and everything, probably well over 5,000, every seat uh, filled. And uh, I used to actually come over from the youth department or the juniors or wherever I was at, and I would like to go to the adult meetings, because those seemed to be a lot more exciting than the youth meetings. And I thought, there's a lot more people in those adult meetings, because those speakers are better than in my youth tent. And so I'm going to go over and hear what the adults are hearing. And so uh, I often uh, left my peer group and went over to the adults. And uh, the conference president was introducing HMS Richards. And as he started to introduce him, he said, you know, I probably should ask before I finish my introduction, has anyone in this audience never heard of HMS Richards Sr.? Not one hand went up. But he still went through with his flowery introduction of HMS Richard Sr. And when HMS Richard Sr. came up to speak, he says, you know, you might think by that introduction that I'm some sort of great man. He said, there are no great men in this work. He said, it's the message that's great. And then he went and preached a powerful message. Our God is great. Our Savior is great. The message is great. But we only become great when we in humility allow Him to transform us. Tonight is a very important message because as we get closer to Earth's history, we need to know how to be glad under persecution. And we're going to go through particularly point by point some aspects of the Bible uh, and stories of the Bible that show precisely how we can maintain happiness and gladness even under the time of the most severe testing called Jacob's Trouble. And if you want to experience the latter rain experience, I encourage you to change your plans and stay for tonight. Uh, I, uh, this, is a, uh, this, this is a message that will be unique, but it is one that the Lord has laid on my heart. Uh, today's message will help prepare for that, a message on the two roads. But you know, in dealing with the mental health issues of the day, 
I can tell you that many individuals come to our program because they have problems with their dopamine levels. I've been speaking a little bit about that this week, but I asked for this uh, little uh, drawing board. I'm also a teacher, and so I like to actually draw on the board and teach, and so uh, we're going to uh, get into uh, dopamine a little bit so that we can understand a little bit about what Christ was saying on his Sermon of the Mount. We're still going to give a, t- a, a primary text from the Sermon of the Mount, but it's just a different portion of that greatest sermon that was ever preached. And uh, so this would be what we call neutral dopamine levels. This is hopefully where you guys are uh, close to this. Actually, it'd be better in a worship service. It would be actually healthy, a sign of mental health, if you're significantly above this, even at this point in time. But no one really, if they're healthy, should be below the neutral line in dopamine levels. So let's go into the text, and then we'll go into some examples here. The text on the Sermon of the Mount is from Matthew 7, 13 and 14, where he says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find that. So, let's talk about the first road. This is a, a, a message on two roads. The road that leads to eternal death. Why is it so broad? Why is it that the vast majority of humanity choose this road? It's actually an easy decision pathway. I don't know if you've heard of easy decisions, <laughs> but Easy decisions, uh, if we're going to take the easiest route, at least at the start of the road, this seems to be the no-brainer decision. In fact, if you choose this path, you don't have to choose to give up any sin whatsoever. That makes it pretty easy as well. And it looks attractive on the surface. And it also seems right, since everyone seems to be going this route themselves. But where does it lead, according to our Master? Christ said, why do you kick against the pricks? That's painful when you're kicking against the pricks. And you're doing it yourself. You're kicking against pricks. And that's what's going to happen when you go down this road. Relationships will occur that bring significant pain. And addictions are going to happen. Addictions that on the front end seem to cause euphoria, but pretty soon it actually changes your brain And that's where we're going to start to demonstrate this. Let's get into an addiction. It's it's shown to be pretty highly addictive, and it's probably something that everyone in this room has taken part in. 
So I want to have something that can identify with everybody. But actually, the American Addiction Association talks about this addiction uh, being a powerful addiction. And uh, so, not everyone is addicted to it, but the first time that you had a Hershey's chocolate bar handed to you, and as you started to consume that Hershey's chocolate bar, what happened to your dopamine levels? So this is the euphoria stage up here. And this is the dysphoria stage down here. And so you're saying it, it goes up, right? Does it go up just a little bit or does it go up a lot? This is the first time. It goes up a lot. It actually makes it all the way up to this euphoric level or almost to it. And does it stay up there for very long? No. It actually stays up there just a matter of a few minutes. And then, does it come down gradually or does it come down steeply? It's steep, yeah. It's a steep drop. But when it drops down, it actually doesn't drop down to neutral. It drops down to a little bit below neutral. And you say, that was good. Wow. Why didn't mom or dad ever give this to me? I have to go to grandma's to get this. <laughs> and so grandma, is there more of that? Oh yes, there's more. And so you get the next bar. And wow, it does very similar things. Does it go up as high? Not quite as high, almost as high. And it's even a little shorter this time. And it comes back down, and now it comes down even more. Say you repeat this a thousand times. Now what's happening here is each time you're actually picking off dopamine receptors because of this huge surge, and you're, you're not getting that dopamine activity anymore. And at, by a time a thousand, depending on how quickly you get to that thousand, your dopamine levels are down here in the dysphoria range, and there's nothing sad going on around you. You know, you're still living a pretty good life, you know, everyone's alive, your dog's alive, you're still able to uh, do things, you're free, but yet your dopamine levels are down here. And I've got to have that chocolate now. I've got to have it because when I have it, I actually feel like I'm more neutral. It's no longer producing the euphoria. It's just bringing you up to neutral, but just for a very short period of time, and then you're plummeting back down again. Now, it's not just chocolate that can do this. What other things can do that? Yes? Sugar can do it. Uh, alcohol can do it. Uh, meth uh, can do it. The, the drugs of the day. Uh, and also, um, we talked about it Thursday night, 
the, the uh, common sexual activities of the day will produce a dopamine level that goes even a lot higher than chocolate and it comes down very steeply and it starts picking off those dopamine receptors unless you also have oxytocin and prolactin with it which you can only have if you're in a committed relationship and having intimacy in God's way. In fact, for years, researchers have wondered why in committed marriage relationships when things are done by sex by design, do you not start to get into dysphoria? That's the 1% the of people that continue to have the phenylethylamine aspect of the romance chemical throughout their entire marriage. But you do things in regards to, you know, even uh, watching NFL football can do this sort of thing. Unless your team is losing. <laughs> and it can start to dip down <laughs> instead of going the other way. Uh, you know, uh, gambling can do it. There's a, there's a whole lot of uh, different things that can do it. But if you're not on any types of things that produce these dopamine surges, it's amazing what can happen with just a walk on that trail that leads to the hotel that I'm staying at. There's a, there's a trail that's actually a, a hard trail. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, we were singing today, this is the way we walk to church uh, as, uh, as we're taking this trail. And just being out there in nature taking a walk together, you don't have a dopamine surge, but your dopamine level starts coming up, and it comes up nice and gradually, and you're, you're enjoying it. We even saw deer, we saw rabbits. Uh, this, it comes up even further. We're seeing flowers, we're seeing some lakes, some beautiful farms, and even after the walk is over with, so the walk ends here, even after the walk is over with, the dopamine levels are up very nicely high and they'll stay up for hours thereafter. And so both groups get their dopamine. And this is what the world doesn't understand. They think, you know, alcohol is bad for most people, but for me, I need it. I need it. Because they're down here. And they don't realize that if they would actually take the road that is the harder decision up front, their brain will change considerably. And pretty soon, they will be able to have dopamine levels far above neutral the vast majority of the day. And so it's far better to be living in this type of life than in this type of life, where it, on the surface it seems very attractive, but Hollywood doesn't show you much about where it leads. And it can lead that way in a matter of a few days to a few weeks. So addictions are part of this lifestyle. Lower dopamine set points. And you no longer enjoy the usual activities of life. When you're down here in this dysphoria range and you take this hike uh, to the hotel or to the academy, it might come up a little bit, hardly at all, and it's down here, and then if this person is walking with a person from up here, 
they're noticing that this person is smiling. They're having a great time. They're just enjoying every aspect. They're pointing out this tree and they're pointing out this flower and they're just thoroughly enjoying it. And they're looking at that person and saying, I'm not getting anything out of this. I'm not getting anything at all. In fact, when is this walk going to be over with? This is too long. By the way, other things that produce these spikes? YouTube videos. YouTube videos have been shown to actually change your brain chemistry. So when you go from one YouTube video to another that produces those dopamine surges, you are producing some mental health consequences. It's one of the reasons why depression and anxiety has skyrocketed and apathy skyrockets. When you get into this, this stage here, when you wake up in the morning, you're no longer excited and interested in the day. You get up out of a sense of duty and responsibility, but not interest. Where individuals that are living here, they're glad to see the morning, and it's like another exciting day. What's going to happen as I'm living in the Lord today that's going to produce these levels of excitement? So what happens also, of course, as a result of putting into our body and doing things with our body that are doing things like this, is eventually disease comes about. Divorce becomes more commonplace. Worry and fear is going to be a natural outcome of this. And the worry and the fear can even start turning into panic. But yet, the broad road is something that our fallen human nature has a tendency to just go towards. Notice this phrase from the book Ministry of Healing, temptations from without find an answering cord within the heart and the feet turn imperceptibly towards evil. That answering cord are these dopamine surges. And so we're thinking, this is not harmful. This is actually good for me. Why was I told that this might be harmful? I mean, you know, the feel good is there. Through sin, the whole human organism is deranged. The mind is what? Perverted. And the imagination, corrupted. Sin has degraded the faculties of the soul. The infinite value of the sacrifice required for our redemption reveals the fact that sin is a what? A tremendous evil. And it's a tremendous evil because of where it leads and what it's going to result in. This is why it actually requires some trust in God. You know, if sin didn't produce those dopamine surges, um, you know, then it would just be natural to not want to go that way. But we actually have to trust the Lord in regards to what He's telling us. When people come to our program, <clears throat> the spiritual counselor normally gets to ask them this question. Are you following your rules or are you following God's rules? Now there are people that come to our program that are following God's rules. We're going to talk about them a little more tonight. And They've had some bad things happen to them. They've had some Job-like experiences. They've had some uh, of those uh, sorts of situations and some afflictions and suffering. 
But the majority that come to our program will say, yeah, I've been following my own rules. And of course, the next question is, how well has that been working out? And almost without exception, uh, in virtually every program, they'll say, it's not been working out well. It's not been working out well. And it can help to open them to following a more narrow pathway. Even great religious people have fallen into this trap. I think of the son of David, Solomon. Many envied the popularity and abundant glory of Solomon, thinking that of all men, he must be the what? So, in the time in which Solomon was there, and you might pick your Hollywood star, you might pick your football star that you think is one of the happiest people on planet Earth, but notice the next phrase. Amid all that glory of artificial display, the man envied is the one to be what? Most pitied. Why did they think he was the happiest person? What things did he have going for him? He had beautiful palaces. I mean, the, his home was just immaculate and beautiful lawns. He had servants at his beck and call. And he could get anything done he wanted to get done. And his wealth. In fact, Forbes magazine recently evaluated Solomon's wealth. He would make Elon Musk seem like a poor man. Why? because of the amount of money he had to compare to the global monetary supply. That's how you actually measure wealth. And so Solomon was far above Elon Musk and the wealthy people of today. And also, many people thought, he's got the most beautiful woman from every ethnicity just waiting for him to call her up that evening. And so he had this surrounding of all of these beautiful women. But notice where it led. His countenance is dark with despair. All the splendor about him is but a mockery of the distress and anguish of his thoughts as he reviews his misspent life in seeking for happiness through how? Indulgence and selfish gratification of every desire. By his own bitter experience, Solomon Learn the emptiness of a life that seeks in earthly things its highest good. What's going to lead to emptiness? Seeking in what? Earthly things highest good. Gloomy and soul-harassing thoughts troubled him night and day. For him, there was no longer any joy of life. If there's no joy of life, what do you have? Depression. Nor was there any peace of mind. If you don't have any peace of mind, what do you have? Anxiety, severe anxiety, and the future was dark with despair. This is while he had everything. And the issue is he was, he was into this mode, these quick ways of getting that dopamine surge up. It's actually been studied a lot recently. In Solomon's case, you know, although in Ecclesiastes, he tells us he tried a lot of things. There was alcohol, there was opium of the day, so he did other things too. 
But then finally, the biggest natural blast of dopamine he was getting was through pornography, and in his case, it was live pornography. And he learned that you can never get enough of what you don't need. He was going into false ways of altering the way you feel. And when you're going into the broad road pathway, you need to recognize you are embarking on false ways to alter the way you feel. And you can never get enough of what you don't need. Some people talk about sex as a need. How can you tell the difference between needs and wants? You ask this simple question, how long can I go without this before I die? If it doesn't affect that, it is not a need. Maybe a want, but it is not a need. We've had a lot of people come to depression because they think their needs aren't being met. And you know, there's very few things we actually need. What are some things that we do need? We need air. Yeah. We need water. We don't even need food every day. A lot of people come to New Start and they'll fast for three days and still be walking around and still be, uh, actually their mental clarity gets better. <laughs> uh, and so they don't even need it every day. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a few other things. Some people say shelter. I would say in Michigan in the wintertime, that's probably true. Uh, but it actually is sufficient warmth is what you actually need. And a lot of people can live in many places of the world without any shelter and live a long time. Uh, and so, there's very few things we need. I've had to tell many people that have come to our program that are caught up in this, that I look at every death certificate in the United States. I teach a, a class called Principles of Health at Weimar University, and we look at all the causes of death every year and go through all of those. And in the U.S., you, you put the cause of death, but then you put what caused that, and then what caused that. And it gets down to four different levels till you get to the very underlying cause. And I've had to tell these people that never once has a doctor signed a death certificate lack of sex as a cause of death. And so it is with all of these other false ways. Lack of chocolate does not accelerate demise. Or lack of watching NFL football. Or uh, whatever it is um, that you're uh, getting involved in. Even lack of sugar. By the way, speaking of sugar, my father... He was brought up earlier, played the organ at the Grand Ledge camp meeting and also at the Troy Church. I was not only baptized in the Troy Church, I was married in the Troy Church. Uh, the wife that I married was also from that church or became a member of that church about five years before I married her. But uh, my father was an engineer for General Motors and he had a sugar addiction. He was in his late 40s. I was child number five. So I saw this start taking place at around age 10. I was 10 and he was overweight 
And he had some emotional issues. Um, I didn't realize it was because of his lifestyle. But he had had two friends die of heart attacks, same age that he was, at uh, the tech center there in Warren, Michigan. And he realized that both of his parents had died in their early 60s from heart attacks and strokes, so he knew he had a strong family history. And he was not a doctor, but he read a book called Sugar Blues. And he realized his problem was sugar. He loved Reese's peanut butter cups, chocolate-covered cherries, root beer floats. Uh, you know, Saturday night was always the root beer float, you know. And uh, he came home after reading this book, and he tells my mom, I'm done with sugar. She smiles real big, thinking, there's no way he's going to be able to stop this. <laughs> there is no way. Kind of went in one ear and out the other, and the next night he comes home, and she's baking chocolate chip Toll House cookies. And he says, I can't take it. He went out in the garden, and he worked in the garden. And he had no Toll House cookies that night. And he stuck to it. About a week later, she's starting to feel sorry for him. Says, you know, we're making a nice blueberry pie, but I'm going to make a blueberry pie for you without any sugar. So we would have two desserts at every meal. We'd have the, the sugary dessert for the family, and then we'd have the no-sugar dessert for my father. And... <clears throat> He stuck to it by God's grace, and at four months, there was something that happened that we all witnessed. My father was given the blueberry pie without sugar, and he bit into it, and he said, this is too sweet. It's, he says, in fact, I can't eat it. It's a sickening sweet. And my mom says, what's wrong with you? There's something wrong with you. That has no sugar. He says, it has to have sugar. He says, I can't eat it. It's too sweet. So she says, I didn't give you the wrong pie. And so she dips into her pie and eats it and her puckers up and says, you are right. This is terrible. <laughs> How can you eat this pie? <laughs> and so they change pies. And then I notice my father's satisfaction of just natural foods went up to where he was getting euphoria like chocolate just by eating corn on the cob. My father from, or my uncle from Texas, her brother used to come and said, it's worth coming up here just to see your dad eat. I've, <laughs> I've never seen a man get so much enjoyment out of just natural food. Look, he's looking in that apple and he's, he's acting like it's dessert. And uh, the taste buds had changed. And the dopamine levels had changed. And then he got on an exercise program and I noticed a new father emerging that was emotionally healthy and physically healthy. He lost 40-some pounds. Actually, no, I think it was 50. He lost 50 or 55 pounds and was the picture of health. And it took a while, but it was well worth the effort. So, results of the broad road. You kick against the pricks, 
you're going to be an enemy of God. If you go down the broad road, you're an enemy of God. You're actually leading others along that broad road as well because we all have influence. And then you'll find it's impossible to do what's right. Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. This results in like steel cores where even when you want to change, it's like you can't. And you really can't without the power of God in your life and giving yourself over to His will and way. And then you'll get yourself involved in all sorts of trouble. And you're not going to find real love. You might find erotic love. You might find romantic love. You might even find some brotherly love short-term here or there. But it's not the self-sacrificing agape love. You can't experience that in your own life. You don't have real joy. Yes, you might have some areas where you start to get up here in, in more uh, above the neutral range very rarely and occasionally, but you're not having a sense of fulfillment. You're not flourishing. And there's no real peace of the broad road. The narrow way, Christ says, few there be that find it. Why is that? It's because the narrow way doesn't have, it's too narrow to have any room for sin on that road. There are some painful aspects of the narrow way that make the tough decision. Christ says if you're going to go the narrow way, you must do what? Deny yourself. Take up your cross. How often do you need to do that? Yeah, Paul says, I die daily. Death to our human nature. And then Paul went on to say how he did this. He says, I am what? You know, this is not just a very easy thing like pulling a trigger and saying, okay, death to self, click. What type of death is crucifixion? It's a slow and painful death. I am crucified with Christ. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the what? With the affections and lusts. So the summary of... of Going the narrow way, the reason why so few find it is walking the narrow way involves crucifying our sinful desires. And that's a process. It's not an instantaneous thing. That four-month ordeal of my father was a process. It wasn't just a second. Okay, I'm going to give up sugar. <laughs> Boom, done. No, it was a process of hanging on to the Lord and going against the desires that seem to cause him joy previously. Where does the narrow road lead, however? It re leads to humility. It leads to transparency. It leads to a love for the Lord. You will start building up a love for the Lord that is so precious when you go the narrow way. And that love will start affecting you and you will be known as someone who has a merciful, loving character. That's how my father was known. Post these changes. 
He was so merciful and loving to everyone around. He would help the, uh, those that were struggling, particularly would help the widows, the afflicted, and do it with joy and, and deep concern and compassion to everyone around him. And worship will give you an experience that brings true peace and joy. Worship will be something you just long for. And even that daily devotional experience will start producing these dopamine high levels in the euphoric range that you couldn't get through eating a Reese's peanut butter cup. And you end up with great and helpful and loving relationships. You know, the loving relationships with those who love the Lord and the friendships that develop are so much deeper and so much more meaningful than the worldly friendships. Your marriages, particularly if your spouse is also on the same page, will be a heaven on earth. They will be truly glorious. And you will be filled with generosity, honesty, and integrity. And also satisfaction. Why are you satisfied? Because you're keeping the Tenth Commandment. What does that say? Thou shalt not covet. That is not a sin that's committed. It's a sin in your thoughts. And once you're walking the narrow way, when you go shopping, it's a different experience. When you go shopping, you start pointing out all the things I don't need. I don't need that. <laughs> I don't need that either. <laughs> Look at all those people buying it. I don't need that at all. <laughs> you know, Ben Franklin says, being satisfied makes poor individuals rich. Being dissatisfied makes rich individuals poor. That's a get-rich scheme that works instantaneously. And notice where else it leads. Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is what? Fullness of joy at thy right hand there are what? Pleasures forevermore. So much of humanity in the world is missing out on these wonderful pleasures because they think somehow they can manufacture their own dopamine highs without consequences. <laughs> And then, where it ultimately ends up is absolutely amazing. The Savior says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God which does what? Passeth all understanding. Worldly peace just means the absence of war. I mean, that's a start. But there's a lot of people that have worldly peace that don't have peace internally. They're filled with worry and fear and phobias and all sorts of issues. 
the peace of God passeth all understanding. What are some additional benefits? Christ says, I want your not my, I want my joy to remain in you that your joy might be what? full. And then Hebrews says, for the joy that was set before him. You have that frontal lobe of looking for even greater joys. And one of the greatest joys that will produce euphoria levels off of this chart when you're in Christ's narrow way is when you start to lead someone who was in the path of destruction on the Broadway and has now changed roads and gone the narrow way. And not only will they, you know what's happening to them, that they're going to eventually have dopamine levels like this, but when you realize that they've made a commitment, your dopamine level goes up very high because you have the love and compassion for humanity and you don't want to see themselves destroy themselves. And you have a pity and compassion for those walking the broad way. And you can be very convincing because of your own testimony to convince them otherwise. And then you'll be filled with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, another positive character trait. Despite afflictions going on, you can see beyond that. Gentleness and goodness. We talked about it last night as well. Self-control. You'll get many bonuses on this earth following the narrow way. And I'd like you to uh, open your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. In Mark chapter 10, the rich young ruler came to Christ and he was convicted about his spiritual life and he wanted to know what he could do to obtain eternal life. And Christ told him in verse 19, you know the commandments. Follow those. He answered and said, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And so Christ started to give him a little quiz starting with commandment number one. Let's see, are you really keeping thou shalt have no other gods before me? And so he told him, if you want to enter into life, to sell what he would have and give to the poor and follow him. And it turns out, although he was, thought he was keeping the commandments, he wasn't really. And the disciples were thinking, this is a man we should have attracted. We shouldn't have pushed him away. Verse 23, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. Those who have riches want to preserve their riches. They want to have the comforts of life. And even though it means doing Broadway things to get there, they're willing, somehow thinking that they're going to be able to get both ends. They were greatly astonished when he said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they said, so how would it be possible? With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. So even wealthy individuals can enter in when they align themselves with God. And so Peter now is saying, well, we have left all and followed you. So what are we going to get? 
Jesus answered, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. Verse 30, who shall not receive a hundredfold, what? Now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with what? So even though you have persecutions, even though you have persecutions, he says you are going to have a hundredfold better life following the narrow way. You're going to develop closeness to other mothers and sisters and brothers that are far closer than even family closeness. And then on top of that, he says, you'll experience eternal life. And so even in this side of things with persecutions, we're going to go into that more tonight in regard to the persecution part. I found out that very few people, and we've had some very good people, in fact, everyone is a good person that comes through our program. I, I, I love working with those that have mental health issues and that are coming there because I know everyone's brain is amazing. The neuroplastic brain can change for the better. Everyone's brain can change for the better. But there's good people that have suffered persecutions and they seem to have neglected the rejoice and being glad at their persecutions. And it gets them discouraged and it gets them in the dumps and those sorts of things. And we need to know how to be able to handle the afflictions and sufferings that are coming. And they're coming for particular reasons, for actually our own benefit <laughs> that we're going to get into tonight. And it's wonderful when we see the perspective of it. So which prince are you going to follow? Christ called Satan the prince of this world. Are we going to follow his Broadway? Or are we going to follow the prince of peace? Satan is not called the Prince of Peace. There's no peace in going the broad way. To walk the narrow way, you must be willing to face opposition. Very clear by even what Christ said in Mark 10. You're going to face opposition by going the narrow way. And you need to be willing to do that. And of course, it hurts worse when it comes from those you love the most that are opposing you. Man's enemies will be those of his own household says even Micah. And if we walk the narrow way, Jesus says he must be number one. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He has to be number one because we actually can't walk the narrow way successfully without him being number one. And then we'll experience that ultimate love. The love that you're not able to generate in and of itself. Even popular musicians will write, all we need is love, all you need is love, but they have never found this love because we can't generate it. With Christ and the Holy Spirit, you will have the real thing. And this is what everyone else is looking for. You'll not only have that peace, but you will have that real love. 
John says, this is the love of God. And his commandments are not burdensome. Christ said, if ye love me, keep my commandments. We would want to do that if we truly love him with all our heart and soul and mind. But his commandments are not burdensome. They actually lead to better dopamine levels. (laughs) And then his promise, I will never leave you or forsake you. To know that the Almighty, our brother Christ, is given this promise that he won't leave us. But such love is restrictive. And that's the issue people have. You can't take sin with you. You have to repent. You have to give it up. And you have to follow Christ's way. The end of the narrow way, you'll receive the seal of God. There'll be no more tears. No more crying. You'll be led by rivers of waters. You will be able to build homes and plant vineyards and eat out of your own vineyards and live in your own homes. In fact, you'll be able to live in a home that Christ has prepared just for you. He knows your likes and your preferences. And they're going to be there in heaven above. And you'll actually be part of the majority ruling party in heaven. Something you'll probably not experience down here. And you'll attend the wedding supper of the Lamb. The best of all things is Jesus will be there. This was quoted earlier. From one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. And we won't have to pray in that service because we can speak to Christ directly. Face to face. What will that be? As it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. We can't even imagine the wonderful things. One of the things I've noticed, speaking of Grand Ledge Camp Meeting and my experiences there earlier, is that doesn't seem too long ago. I'm in what is very likely the final third of my life, and I've experienced a wonderful life in Jesus, but I realize that life is far shorter than I thought it would be when I was 10 years old. And 60 years will be like a second over there. It will be an eternity of living in a wonderful environment under a wonderful government. We're going to talk about that government a little bit tonight. There's a reason why the Hallelujah Chorus was written. And it's because we are going to have the greatest government ever with the greatest executive over that government. And we'll not be able to hold back in singing Hallelujah, particularly with what we've been through in regards to the suffering that Laodicea will need to go through if they make it. 
Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. The leaves will be for the healing of the nation. Notice this phrase, in comparison with the millions of the world, God's people will be as they ever have been a little flock on this earth. But if they stand for the truth as revealed in his word, God will be their refuge. They stand under the broad shield of omnipotence. God is always a majority. You'll need to remind yourself of that at times. When you're with God, you are actually in the majority as far as the universe is concerned. When the sound of the last trumpet shall penetrate the prison house of the dead and the righteous shall come forth with triumph exclaiming, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Standing then with God, with Christ, with the angels, and with the loyal and true of all ages, the children of God will be far in the majority. I am looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to seeing my loving Heavenly Father, but also my loving Earthly Father, who is now resting in Jesus. And you know, one of the things you'll notice when you walk the narrow way, or those around you, or you're walking the narrow way, you are always more severely missed than people who die in the broad way. Because people that walk the narrow way are always so wonderful to be around. And that's the way it was with my father. I always wanted to take every opportunity. It's one of the reasons why I went to adult classes. He taught an adult class in the Troy Church. And I'd leave my youth class when he was teaching. And I'd want to hear my father teach out of the Word. And he had that loving compassion that went with it. Christ's true disciples follow him through sore conflicts, enduring self-denial and experiencing bitter disappointments. But this teaches them the guilt and woe of sin. We need to develop a more hatred of sin than we have. You know, we're surrounded by it. I'm just appalled by the fact that people are viewing sin, even among the true and faithful, and their continual view of it makes them think it's not really so bad. But sin is indeed terrible. Teaches them the guilt and woe of sin, and they are led to look upon it with abhorrence. Partakers of Christ's sufferings, they are destined to be partakers of His glory. Where does the broad road end? You'll receive the mark of the beast. You will drink of the wrath of God. That wrath is when God turns His back on you, not because He wants to, but because you've turned your back on Him and He lets you go your own way. And you'll experience the plagues. By the way, those plagues are not really a punishment. It's a clear indication that though you're on the wrong side, you're still not going to change. After those plagues are poured out, it says, and they still blaspheme the name of God. Even though the evidence is so clear, they are wrapped up in their sins. They don't want to give them up. That's where the Broadway will lead. And then it leads 
to that final death, the most painful death ever imaginable, which the Bible refers in Revelation and Galatians to the second death. This is when it will become very clear that if you're on the broad road after this message, your mind will actually be very clearly going back to camp meeting June of 2022 when you rejected the message. And you'll say, if I, only I would have accepted that. It was at my fingertips. It was there. And I was too self-centered. And I didn't think that changing my lifestyle, I thought maybe I'd change it later and be able to experience more of these dopamine surges. I didn't know. And you'll say, why didn't I do that? And all of the second guessing you'll do with all of those opportunities, it's a painful, painful death, recognizing eternal separation from what you could have had. The Bible says, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And the broad road ends in true terribleness and awfulness. Don't think you can sit on the fence. Christ says no one can serve two masters. If you're sitting on the fence, you're on the broad road. He who is not with me is actually against me, according to Christ. He who is not born of water and the Spirit cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Don't be a fence-sitter. Answer the call of the narrow way. Ellen White was given a vision that she wrote about in early writings. A vision when she had made it to heaven. And there are those that had died prematurely in the faith, and they were wondering, what were the trials and temptations you had to go through? Ellen White went through tremendous trials and temptations after their death. And so they're wanting to hear details. All went under the tree and sat down to look at the glory of the place when Brethren Fitch and Stockman, who had preached the gospel of the kingdom and who God had laid in the grave to save them, came up to us and asked us what we had passed through while they were sleeping. We tried to call up our greatest trial, but they looked so small compared with the far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory that surrounded us, that we could not speak them out. And we all cried out, Alleluia, heaven is cheap enough. And we touched our glorious harps and made heaven's arches ring. Whatever severe trial you're going through, it's going to seem like nothing compared with the eternal weight of glory that Christ has prepared for everyone that walks the narrow way. It won't even be worth mentioning because it'll seem so trite in comparison. And so, Christ is calling, just as He did to those He was giving the Sermon on the Mount. Are you willing 
to crucify your lusts and affections of your limbic system and your lower nature? And are you willing to embark on a pathway that is a hundredfold better here and infinitely better later? The no-brainer decision is actually to follow Christ. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, the world is rapidly coming to their own destruction with all the effects of walking that broad road. But Lord, you are calling us today to walk the narrow path. Walk the path of humility, daily depending upon you and crucifying our affection and love. Lord, if there's anything in our life that shouldn't be there, we pray that you would point that out. Anything inhibiting us from fully experiencing a life in Jesus, We pray that you would point that out. Maybe we haven't even been aware of some of these things. We've treated them as unimportant. But your law encompasses so much, the principles of your law. And you've given that law to us for our own benefit. And so, Lord, if there's anyone here that has recognized that they've been on the Broadway but now wants to answer your call to change roads to the narrow way, I pray that they would notify you by standing on their feet at this time. Lord, you see. Many who have made the commitment Oh, walk the narrow way. And Lord, I thank you that your promise for them is the same as it was for Peter. By giving up the affections and lusts and maybe even houses and lands and previous friendships and previous relationships and, and unacceptable even romantic relationships, that you'll reward them a hundredfold more in this life and eternity beyond. We thank You, Lord, for the decisions that are made. And we now pray that You would encircle Your arm around each one that has made that commitment, as well as those that are going to continue to walk the narrow way. That You hold them tight in Your grasp. Bring each one back tonight to learn how to be glad while undergoing severe persecution. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio 22 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcasts.